Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. God has been so good to us. Uh, the state of the church is strong. Amen. The state of the church is strong. Can I get a stronger amen than that? The state of the church is strong. Let me just read to you a couple, a couple of things before I introduce you to our elders for this year. Uh, the statement that we stand on as a church, our mission and our vision, is we exist for people to experience life change through Christ. That is the statement, life change through Christ. Those four words are printed on every single baptism shirt to remind us that it is not about uh, the sound quality or the air conditioning or the size of the building or the cameras or the lights or, or who's on stage. It is about people experiencing life change through Christ, and you can experience it in a kid's classroom. You can experience it in a prayer room. You can experience it in a life group. We believe that life change through Christ happens anywhere and everywhere. That is the statement that we stand on. Our standards are this. These are our values, grace, truth truth, generosity, Christ, discipline, integrity, accountability, and unity. We make all of our decisions making sure that they line up with those things. We will not, we will not deviate from those values, those standards. Those are our standards. Those are our values as a church. The strategy is to answer these five questions with ministry pathways. The first question that we believe everyone is asking is, how can I encounter God? And you do that right here on the weekends. We call them weekend worship experiences. So we want everyone to encounter God. We believe that at the, at the core of everyone's soul, you're asking this question, how can I encounter God? And we believe that you start by encountering God right here. Right here, that's one of the five questions. The second one is this, is where can I leave a legacy? I don't know about you, but I don't want my life to stop when my life stops. I want it to carry on. I want it to continue. And we do that in the next generation. That's why you'll see people with kids' shirts around because they are sacrificing their time on Sunday to make sure that your kid is learning about the Bible and learning about Jesus. And I'm grateful for every kids' worker, every nursery worker at both of our campuses. Let's clap our hands for those that are leaving a legacy today. The next one, the next question out of the five questions that our strategy, our ministry pathways is this, is how can I make a difference? Everybody wants to make a difference. Everybody wants to change the world. The way that we do that is through outreach. A percentage of our income goes back out into the community. But not only do we give money, we put hands and, 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 and feet to the, to the city and make sure that there are people that are being, needs are being met and food is being provided and clothing is being provided, not only nationally, not only locally, but internationally. We go on mission trips. That's how we make a difference. And then the, the fourth question is this, is where can I discover my purpose? We believe everyone is called and that the gifts and call that are on your life are irrevocable, that everyone in this church has something to contribute, that God did not forget to, get, to give you a gift, like that everyone has been given a gift to be used by God. And we believe that here at this church, you could discover your purpose from the people who don't want to be mentioned in the count team, counting the offering every single Sunday to the people on the platform and everything in between, the greeters, the ushers, everything, the life group leaders. We believe that everyone can discover their purpose within the context of the local church, that you don't have to get fulfillment from your career, that you can get fulfillment from your calling here inside the local church, that everyone wants to discover their purpose. The last one is, how can I find and foster real relationships? And we believe that that happens in the context of life groups. And those that go to a life group and stay committed to one are testimonies of that. And they would testify. They wouldn't be ever against it. I've never met someone who went to a life group and committed themselves for a semester and said, I regret that. Not, not, a, not one single person. It's just like working out. You don't want to go. You don't want to get up. You don't want to get up and work out. Nobody wants to go to the gym. But the moment you step on that treadmill and start sweating just a little bit, you say, man, I'm glad I came here today. Same thing for life group. Sometimes it's inconvenient. It's in the wrong day of the week. There's a lot of traffic. Chick-fil-A line was long before I got there. Whatever it is. 
Let me tell you right now, once you leave that life group, you would have fostered and found real relationships that will last a lifetime. And it's very important that we do that. So that's what we do. That's our strategy. And then uh, here's our structure. We have elders of, of the church that keep me accountable. They keep me accountable on financial decisions. They approve the annual budget. They, they really filter through a lot of the major decisions that sometimes weigh heavily on the pastor's shoulders. They are there to advocate uh, for, for me, but not only advocate for me, they're there to advocate for you. They are making sure that we are in alignment with God's word. They are making sure that all the finances are in order. And I'm grateful for these men because though they sit in the shadows on Sunday mornings, their table on the third Tuesday, I think it's the fourth Tuesday, whatever day we change it all the time, uh, whatever meeting, whenever we have that meeting, they are making sure that we are fasted up and prayed up for uh, you to ensure that we can we can continue this church moving forward. I don't have to make big decisions by myself. And if you've ever been in charge of an organization, it's always important to have accountability and authority. And I submit to their authority and to their accountability, and they check on me. They check on me every single month, and they make sure that I'm in alignment with God's word, and I'm grateful for them. I'm actually going to invite them up uh, on stage at both of our campuses today. Can, can our elders that are present here, could you just make your way to the front right now? Would you clap your hands and welcome them to the stage? Come on up. Come on up. Come on, y'all can do better than that. They keep this church alive. At both of our campuses, I think we have, come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up. I think there's half and half right now. I think there are three uh, couples standing uh, in, at our Apex campus, and there will be three couples standing here. And uh, Charles and Delisha Cogdell, their whole family is involved heavily at this church. You probably met him. He probably helped you find your seat, the seat that you didn't want to sit in, the one that was up close. He, he, he's in charge of that team. Come here and stand on this side of the speaker so that the people at the other campuses can see you. I have to stay within these two speakers in case you're wondering. They box me in. They cage the preacher in. So just like the drummer, we cage him in. They cage me in, too. So uh, we're so grateful for, for, for you guys. I'm going to stand here to the side. And uh, we're, just, we're just honored that you guys would, would choose to serve. Many of you might know. Pastor Chris and Cheryl Weiss. They've been at the church for over 20 years. Uh, 25 years, right? 30 years? How many years is it? 27 years? I was, uh, I was five years old when you came to this church. I was not eligible for the pastorate at the time when you started attending this church, and I'm very grateful. Uh, you'll see Pastor Chris and his wife serving in all sorts of capacities, previously led Financial Peace University. He is our lead elder. He makes sure that the agendas are, are going and the, the meeting minutes are taken care of, all the things that everybody does. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? And then uh, we have uh, my, one of my favorite people in the world, Dallas Cowboys fan. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Kervin and Georgette Mack are in the house today. They did fire their coach, so uh, maybe there's a, there's a hope for you. We fired our coach, too, at the Carolina Panthers. Everybody's getting fired. Tom Brady might get fired after last night, too. So um, anyways, we, we are so grateful. You'll see these guys around serving in multiple areas, uh, life groups involvement, and I'm just grateful for, for all of you. We have some honorary elders that are here, too. Pam and Dean Scarborough served for a very long time. We love you so much. Thank you so much for your service. The reason I'm presenting them to you today at the beginning of the message before I read the passage of Scripture is just so that you can put a face to the name. And if you uh, ever need anything, this is the, uh, in my mind, one of the most influential tables in the church. The staff uh, does the day-to-day, but the elders oversee the weight of, of the responsibilities that come with leading an organization as large as ours. And, and as we begin to grow and continue to grow, uh, they're they are uh, such a blessing. At the Apex Campus, you have Daniel and Natalie Price standing before you, I believe. Uh, they are awesome. Give it up for them at both of our campuses. 
you have uh, Michael and, and, and Deborah Hudson, Dr. Michael and Deborah Hudson at the Apex Campus. And you have Darren and Benita Ford uh, in front of you today, and we're just grateful for all of them. And uh, it's just my honor to submit to your leadership and to have you as elders. It's very important to me. It's a, a weight that I believe uh, you know uh, very well when we s discuss the things of the church and when we pray through some of those things. Uh, it's, it's important and it's biblical. And I submit to your leadership at both of our campuses. I submit to your authority and I'm grateful for your service and your sacrifice. And God is using you and will continue to use you in the years to come. Would you just stretch your hand at both of our locations? I'm going to pray over them and commission them for this year. Father God, we thank you for each and every one of them at, at both of our campuses today. We, we thank you for our elder board. We thank you for the men and women of God that you have decided to put around the table to help make sure that we stay on vision and on mission and that we always are pushing people to experience life change through Christ. I pray you would help us, God, and, and, and give us wisdom, God, wisdom from, from you, wisdom from uh, everywhere. I pray that you would give us wisdom from heaven, Lord, to make hard decisions and difficult choices, God, as as it pertains to debt consolidation and staffing and, and, and the budget and everything that comes with, with the direction of the church and how to make sure we're making disciples and seeing converts followed up with and all the things that we discussed. I just pray at both of our campuses right now that you would give them a fresh anointing a fresh perspective. Pour out your oil upon them, O oh God. May they, may they see your glory in the secret place so that they can lead well in public. Lord, we thank you for them. We, we are grateful that you have brought to us these elders to help decide and make decisions on behalf of this church, and we submit to their authority and their leadership. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give it up one more time. Thank you guys for being here today. Love you so much. At both of our campuses, come on, clap your hands for the elders. You may be seated. It's hard to know if they're sitting down in Apex or not, so I'm just assuming that they're going to their seats right now. How much did they just stand up there the whole sermon, you know? Man, I'm grateful for them. Aren't you grateful for them? It's awesome. It's awesome to have wisdom around you. Let me tell you right now, I am not the smartest person in the room uh, when we have elders meetings, which is what you want. Trust me. Trust me. To God be the glory. Uh, then we, we have some statistics that I'd like to share with you. To God be the glory. And then I'm going to get into the message today. Um, the average weekly attendance, and this is something to shout about, grew by 43% in 2019. Come on, to God be the glory. I don't know about you, but if you, if you invest into the stock market, a 43% growth is uh, pretty good. You wouldn't be just golf clapping at 43%. You'd be going on a vacation, okay? You'd be getting a 43% growth. Ask your friend who goes to another church. Ask them if they had 43% growth. Just ask them. Just ask them. We're not comparing. We're not, it's not a competition. I'm just, just ask them. Just ask them if they had 43% growth in 2019. 570 families turned in a U-card for the very first time in 2019. To God be the glory. 248 adults enrolled in our 21 life groups in 2019. Get this, the average weekly attendance for NextGen, that's uh, anyone from 12th grade under, is 250 kids and teenagers every single week at this church. 250. That's more than the average church size. That's double the average church size in America. The church is strong. The state of the church is strong. Now, these are the two numbers that I love the most. I saved the best for last. 86 water baptisms in 2019. To God be the glory for all that he has done. Come on, you can do better than that. Thank you, God, for the harvest. 
130 salvations in the year 2019. Hell has been plundered. Heaven has been populated. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. The state of the church is strong. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Mark, the 10th chapter. The book of Mark in the 10th chapter. The book of Mark in the 10th chapter. Man, God is so good. Amen. Amen. Oh, wow. It's hard sometimes when you just read numbers on a page. Those, all those numbers represent a story of someone whose life was changed because of your generosity, because of your faithfulness in serving, because of your uh, continued prayers. Uh, 86 people water baptized. That's unbelievable. Mark chapter 10. Mark the 10th chapter if you have your Bibles. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. If you'd like to follow along in the Version Bible app, you can always uh, look us up in the live events section of the app. Follow along there. Mark chapter 10. I'm ready to preach. Uh, verse 46. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, uh, was sitting beside the road when Bartimaeus heard, because he's blind, he can't see Jesus, he can only hear. Your other senses get heightened when you cannot see. You get stronger hearing, stronger uh, ability to decipher what you are feeling. And uh, he could not see Jesus, but he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming nearby. He began to shout. If you can't see him, don't, get, don't make me preach. You got to shout for him. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, the haters, be quiet. Many people, many of the people yelled at him, not just like one person said, hey, you need to calm down. It was like a group effort in trying to silence Bartimaeus. Sometimes you'll find an attack comes from multiple sides, multiple angles, and everyone will be speaking against you. But you have to have the, the spirit of Bartimaeus whenever the enemy tries to attack you. And it says this, I love this, but he shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, J Jesus couldn't even see him. Bartimaeus can't see Jesus. Jesus can't see him. They can only by hearing. It's by hearing. It's by hearing. <laughs> Don't make me preach, y'all. He stopped and said, tell him to come here. How rude of Jesus to ask a man that cannot see to take steps in the unto the unknown. So they called the blind man, cheer, and they said, cheer up. They, the same people that were telling him to be quiet changed their, changed their tune real quick. Hey, cheer up, man. I, I know that voice. You were just telling me to shut up. Now you're telling me to cheer up. It's funny. When you find success, the same people that used to try to stop you will then try to, try to associate themselves with you. It's like they'll try to attach themselves, but you were just telling me to shut up, but now that I got my breakthrough, now you're telling me to cheer up. That, I don't know. Don't make me preach. They, they said, come on. He's calling you. I'm telling you right now, God is calling you today. He is calling you today out of anxiety. He is calling you out of depression. He is calling you out of the blind spot of your soul. He is calling you out of the miry clay. He is setting your feet upon the rock today. I love verse 50. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. See, there are things that you need to throw aside in order for you to be revived this year. 
Mark is the only gospel that says he threw his coat aside. It's a very specific nuance. There are weights that are associated with your blindness that if you go to Jesus, he might heal you from your sight, but you'll still have a weight on your soul. So you not only need to be able to see, but you need to be free from the coat that you were carrying because it wraps you up in the identity of poverty. It wraps you up in the identity of, of who you used to be. So he says, not only do I want to see, I want to change my clothes. Because not only do I, do I need a miracle, but I also need to be set free from some things that I've been carrying my entire life. I bet you he laid that coat down on the side of the road, probably laid on it or put his little coin jar on it or whatever he did. He associated that coat with poverty. And so he said, if I'm going to meet Jesus, I won't need that thing anymore. But it was before he received his sight that he let go of the coat. Some of you are waiting on your miracle in order to let go of the thing that's keeping you from it. But I want to let you know, start by stepping out. Start by throwing it out. You don't need that addiction. You don't need that person. You don't need that thing. Throw it aside today. Jumped up and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Don't you love that question? What do you want me to do for you? Would you be able to answer that without a petty answer for Jesus? Like, are you asking God for big enough things? What do you want me to do for you? Do you have articulated in your life the miracle that you need? Or is it just like, oh, I just would love a, a better marriage. No, you, you, need, you need to get specific with your miracle. You need to get detailed with your miracle. My rabbi, the blind man, said, he said, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus. He didn't go back to the coat didn't go back to the roadside, didn't go back to where the money was good when he begged. He said, whatever he has, he's got more of it. And I need to stay consistent. I need to stay with Jesus because when I follow Jesus, I not only receive my sight, but I get my purpose back. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, we are standing at an important time in our history. It's a new year. It's a new decade. It's a new season. Yet if we are honest with ourselves, the clock has changed, but our hearts might not have the date has changed, but our desires still remain the same. Use your word today to illuminate me the changes that I need to make and make those changes overflow into the people who have gathered around your truth today. We thank you in advance for the vision you have given us. We thank you. Lord, I pray that you would be with those that were recently deployed overseas. And I pray that you would just keep us strong as a country. The state of our church is good, and I pray that the state of our nation would remain the same. I pray that we would remain strong in you. Turn us back to you. May we repent of anything that has distanced us from you as a country and as a nation, and I pray you would comfort all those that are deployed overseas right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you so much. There are two parts to this story of Bartimaeus that I'd like to share with you. Uh, the first phase of every testimony is the part when you can't see. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can't see. Turn, turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, the one that you didn't look at, and say, I can't see. See, the, the first phase to this testimony is the phase where he can't see. He, he could not see. Phase one, I'm blind. Phase one, my name is Bartimaeus, and I am a blind beggar. See, many of us have to first acknowledge the fact that we can't see. Some of us think we can see, but we can't see. And I've seen you drive down Destiny Drive before, and you can't see, okay? I've seen you pulling out of this place, and you can't see, okay? We've had to replace one of those signs like three times because you can't see, all right? I've seen the mud in the grass because you can't see, right? I can't see. The first phase to every miracle is, the, is phase one. I can't see. 
I can't see. Bartimaeus cannot see. He is blind. He, he, he is blind and he cannot see. Does anyone, does anyone have a, a, like a friend that's blind, completely blind, like born blind? Anybody know anybody? You know, they cannot see. They would tell you that in order for them to live, they have to systematize their life. Their life has to be surrounded by a system and a routine that brings comfort to them knowing that if I walk out my bedroom door and I turn right, I will not hit a piece of furniture. Because when you can't see, all you have is routine. When you can't see, all you have are your other senses to help guide you because you cannot see. And when, what I found is a lot of people will sulk in what they cannot see instead of improving the strengths of the things that they do have. But what I found with blind Bartimaeus is, first of all, it says that he heard. He heard. Many of us can't see, therefore we stop listening. But if your ears are good and your eyes are bad, just get better ears. Keep working on your hearing. Maybe God has yet to reveal something to your eyes because he wants to work on your hearing. Blind Bartimaeus says, I heard Jesus is coming. He heard, he couldn't see him. He couldn't see the crowd, but he could hear the footsteps. He could hear the rumblings. He could hear the grumblings. He could hear the ground. He could feel the ground shaking. He could use every sense but his sight. And the first thing you need to realize is just because you can't see something doesn't mean you can't hear something. A lot of times God will start your calling with a sound. He will start your dream with a sound. The Bible says that God spoke the earth into existence. He used a sound to start something. The Bible says in the, in the battle of Jericho, the same place where Jesus is, is, is at right now, that, that they surrounded the city walls, and with a sound, the walls came down. Sometimes you can't see God, but you can shout to God. There are times when I can't see his purpose and when I can't see his will, but, man, I can shout for it. I can shout for it. So even when I can't see, I can shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. Some of you need to use your voice because you've lost your sight. And using your, your voice is the first step to get regaining your sight. Using your ears is the first step to regaining your sight. Some of you have stopped using all your senses because one of your spiritual senses has gone blind. And I've met so many people living in spiritual blindness because they refuse to work out the other senses. And the miracle is coming through their ears, but they're expecting it to come first through their eyes. Jesus has the ability to break the system of this blind man. This blind man had an order. He had a routine. He would you know, put his coat down and put his cup down and sit on the roadside and be, and be begging every single day. But Jesus rearranged the furniture on this man. And he caused him to walk into unknown. See, if I, if, I, if I can't see, at least I can shout. And if I can't see, at least I can take some steps. His legs weren't broke. His legs were not broke. He was not a cripple. He was an able-bodied person, just blind in his eye. And Jesus wanted to remind him that he could do a lot of things without his sight. So he says, hey, tell him to come here. Tell him to come here. How rude is that? 
of Jesus to ask a blind man to take steps into what he cannot see. But isn't that like God, that your miracle is not, is not on, on the other side of your comfort, but it's on the other side of the unknown? It's on the other side of the mystery. It's on the other side of the things that I cannot see. It's on the other side. Come to me. He says, "Come." tell him to come here. And here he is getting up, walking in front of people blindly. I don't know if you ever had to lead your family blindly. I don't know if you ever had to take a step of faith before. But this is what it feels like to plant a church. Jesus says, come to me, and you walk. Jesus says, come, bring him here, and you walk. And you're like, I can't see. Why don't you come to me? Jesus, you got all your senses and some extra stuff. You know, you come here. No, you come here. No, you come here. The Bible says to draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So you got to start walking even when you can't see. You can take steps. Even when you can't see, you can shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. Even, when you, even if you came into this year blind, you can still take steps to your destiny. Even if you came into this year not being able to see, God still wants to speak to you in your ear. The, the, the thing that Jesus is trying to show him is that God can still speak to you even when you cannot see him. A lot of us just want God to show up in our own way. We want the very miracle we want and nothing else. But the miracle that you want is on the other side of the desires that he has for you. So if you aren't willing to take a little bit of steps of faith and say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start that business. I don't got a lot of money, but I'm going to go ahead and start that, that, that business. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and go ahead and, and get, that, get that job that I've, been, that I've been working for. I'm going to go ahead and get that degree, finish my college. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and pay off that debt. Oh, ain't nobody saying amen now. But let me tell you right now, you got, you got to learn to work. You got to learn to walk when you cannot see to the one who will enable you to see. Oh, I don't know. I, I can't really see. I can't really see the light at the end of the tunnel of my marriage, but I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start shouting. I'm going to start taking steps. You can do all the other senses except for see. And what happens is the last thing that Jesus does is reveal to him his sight. Many of us are waiting for our sight in order to take steps. We're waiting for our sight in order to shout. Even when I can't see, I can separate. He threw off his coat. I already talked to you about that. I'll, I'll skip to the next one. You could separate yourself from the thing that used to be in the past without, without having your miracle. You can already make progress towards God's future for you. You can cut off those relationships that are unhealthy and poisonous and toxic. You don't need to keep with them because they're telling you to shut up while God is calling you to shout. He threw off his coat. Number four is even when I can't see, I can surrender. Then he followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. You can follow him. You can follow him. So that, that's part, part, part one is, is when you can't see. And, and, and part two of the miracle, which is really important, is, is once you can see. What happens once you can see? So I can't see. i got to believe in faith. you got to have faith when you can't see. Then you got to follow once you can see. What I've discovered is many of us experience our miracle and then go back to where we came from. So we get what we wanted from God. We get the blessing, but we don't follow the blesser. We get the healing, but we don't follow the healer. We get the provision, but we don't follow the provider. And what Bartimaeus realized was that though, though he, he could go back, because now he can see, he chose to follow the one that gave him his sight. At both of our campuses today, I came to declare to you that you should follow Jesus even after he gives you all of the desires of your heart. And you should not follow Jesus just because he might do it. You follow Jesus because of what he's already done. So what do you do once you can see? 
If, even when I can't see, I can shout. Even when I can't see, I can take steps. Even when I can't see, I can separate myself from my past. Even when I can't see, I can surrender to the will and the call of God. What, 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 what do you do once you can see? Well, you have to get a renewed vision. Because I don't know how Bartimaeus' eyesight was after he was healed. It was probably 20-20. But I don't have 20-20 vision. Do you guys have, does anybody here have 20-20 vision, no glasses, no contacts? Not many people do. It's hard. It's hard. The, the, the thing that I've realized is that uh, optometry prescriptions, they expire. Like, my contacts cannot be ordered after one year from my last eye exam. Did you know this? I don't know if you know. I wear contacts. And... Uh, what I try to do, because I'm cheap, is I try to stretch out my contacts as far as I can. And then like a couple days before they expire, they expire, I order a whole new box, you know? So what I end up doing is I end up not renewing my prescription, and I end up putting an old prescription into a new vision. I've met so many people trying to look at God through old lenses but your prescription has expired. And he's calling you to renew the prescription so that you can look at God through fresh lenses. And and here's the deal. You're cheap like me. You're cheap. You don't want to go through the work or the cost of getting a fresh prescription. So therefore, you'd rather live under old prescription. You'd rather allow your, your vision to be blurry and your vision to be faded than to go through the hard work of getting that, that puff of air in your eye and you'll have to get that? Oh, that's a pain. Oh, I hate that. That's, that's abuse, man. That's evil. That, y'all know what I'm talking about? That they, they don't tell you when it's, they don't count you down or anything like that. They go, excuse me, I'm paying you. You don't puff no air into my eye. But what you have to know is the pain of that puff is going to get you to be able to see more clearly than you have in the past. Now, let me, let me show you some things. Let me show you some things. How well I see matters more than how good I look. I'm, I'm, I'm going to teach y'all something, okay? I'm going to teach y'all something now. Y'all ain't ready for this, okay? Now, now I'm cheap. I told y'all I was cheap, okay? I, I, only, I only buy fra- frames. See, the frames are cheap. The ones that are the frames that I buy, you know, the, the, these frames, this is my oldest prescription that I have. These frames, these were $9.99 at Walmart, okay? The, the, but I wanted to be able to see. And so these are old frames. These are probably a couple years old, you know? But the frames, the frames are what a lot of us look at. We would actually rather have old lenses but fresh frames, because, because many of us are so fixated on our fashion on the outside that we've lost the vision of the strength of the glass on the inside. So, so I got these glasses a long time ago, and, and, and that was good. And then I got these. Now, keep in mind, I, these are like 10 bucks, right? It's just for me to rest my eyes. But if you, as you can see, I, I, don't really, I don't really care about the frames as long as I can see through the lenses. See, y'all say, that's a fa- fashion police. These glasses are ugly, you know what I'm saying? You ain't seen nothing. Yeah, just wait till I show you the ones that I bought online. I couldn't see. So, so th- these frames are cheap. Make sure I'm, are you tied in on this? Uh, uh, th- th- but the lenses, the glass, 
The glass is what costs the most. Many of you are spending more money on frames than you are on lenses because you're worried about what it looks like on the outside instead of what you can see through the inside. 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord, the Lord looks at the inside. He doesn't look at the frames. He looks at the inside. Mm. Now, I bought these on the internet. I couldn't see them. They're from an organization called Zenny Optical, and they have you, like, put in all your prescription. You have to basically become the doctor. This is a big mistake, okay? I think these were $6, okay? So when you see me in these, don't take a screenshot. Don't you post this on the internet. These don't, this does not belong online, okay? Edit this part out right here. I bought these on the internet, okay? Now you might say, oh, you look like Harry Potter, Pastor. <laughs> the problem is, is I could not see these glasses before I bought them. So they showed up as a mystery. But the lenses are just fine. So I don't care about what I look like as long as I can see. You have to get to a point in your praise where you don't care about what you look like as long as you can see. And so if I can see, I'll look like, a, like this all day long. Because I can see. What matters to Bartimaeus is not what he looks like. It's the fact that he could see, and he's willing to do anything. He's willing to shout. He's willing to take his coat off. He's willing to take steps in the blind. He's willing to do what embarrassed him in order to get what he needed. Your miracle will not be fashionable. Your miracle won't look cute. Your miracle won't be worthy of the Instagram. Your miracle is found in taking blind steps, shouting, Son of David, have mercy. Mercy on me. Your problem is you're fixated with frames and you're on a low prescription. You're fixated on frames. You're fixated on what it looks on on how, how what other people might think of you. You're fixated on what other might say about you. And you're missing your miracle because you're focused on the frames and not on the lens. Get yourself to the eye doctor. Get yourself a fresh perspective and a fresh prescription to where they can say, this, my friend, is how you see. Mm. He could begin to play the piano as I close. I have three things that I want you to see this year. Three things that I want you to see this year. You can write these down. I'm going to hurry up. I'm going to hurry up. Three things I want you to see this year. Three things I want you to see this year. First of all, first of all, I want you to see your gift. I want you to see your gift. Some of you have forgotten what your gift looks like. Some of you have been sitting on that green chair for far too long. You forgot that you had a gift, a God-given gift, a gift that was given by God for the purposes of God, for the purposes of his kingdom. I want you to see your gift again. Romans 12, 6 and 7 says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Some of you can do things well that I can't even do. You need to use your gift. You need to begin to serve. You need to begin to give. You need to begin to, to be involved. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with much faith that God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. I want you to take an opportunity now at both of our campuses. I want you to grab that purple U card, and I want you to check the box. Start serving on Sundays. Start serving on Sundays. There's a box in there. Start serving on Sundays. Uh, if you're not serving... If you're not serving, I want you to see your gift. I want you to see your gift. Number one, I want you to see your gift. Number two is I want you to, I want you to see your growth. 
I want you to see your growth. I am not interested in you staying the same that you were before. I am not interested in a church that never grows. I, I, I came to declare today, I speak against the spirit of self-sabotage that will keep you stuck. I speak against the spirit of laziness that will keep it in your soul, that which God has called you to. And I speak to your growth potential in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, he put away, he put away the coat. He put away childish things. Bartimaeus grew up fast. And the last and final prayer that I want you to see is I want you to see his glory today. I want you to see his glory. John 17, 24, this is Jesus speaking as I close. Father, I want those who have given me to be with me where I am. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. I don't know about you, but all I want is God's glory. I don't know about you, but I've been hungry in my soul over the past couple of weeks, and I just want God's glory to be revealed. You say, Pastor, I don't know what God's glory is. God's glory is an untangible weight that you will sense on your heart when you are in connection with him. And you'll walk around and people will say, what is that on you? And whatever is in you will come out of you, and that is the glory of God the Father. I want you to experience the glory of God this year. I want you to, to see your gift. I want you to see growth. Don't stay where you are. Don't let this year be the same as last year. Don't let this year be the same as last year. I want you to see, see your gift. I want you to see growth. And I want you to see the glory of God. Would you stand to your feet at all of our locations? Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. This ministry is made possible because of the generosity of so many people like you. To partner with us, you can click the link in our description or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe now or share it with a friend. For more inspirational content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash Focus Church. Join us next week for another incredible message.